Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. It is wonderful to be here. Um, and if, if we had another service, it would actually get really good uh, with the introduction. Jason, you're getting better and better. Uh, uh, you know, I don't deserve all that, but it's... Um, Jay, Brother Jason and Miss uh, Michelle, we go way back. We have a lot of stories we could we could share. We could incriminate ourselves together in in a lot of ways. But they are. I know that you, <clears throat> you all are blessed to have them as your uh, as your leaders, your your ministers over your students. Um, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. And I also want to just uh, just to, to share just a word of gratitude to, to to Pastor Jimmy, who you know that's. Um, you, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about here, and I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but it just really touched my heart to know how much he invests in our students, your students. They're, they're my students, too. You know, I, I'm going to claim you, too. But, but just being here uh, on, on Friday night and being here, uh, having a presence here over the weekend, he didn't have to do that, and that doesn't happen everywhere. But uh, you, you guys have great leadership, and I just want to applaud that. Let's give, let's give honor to, to your leadership team. They're, they're awesome. They're awesome. I was here a couple of years ago, and you know things have changed a bit since I've been here last. And uh, wow, I, I'm still kind of you know the, the bright lights, kind of shocking all. It's it, things things look really good around here. Amazed, God's just being real good to you, right? Amen. And uh, only greater things, only greater things are about to take place here at Palmetto Baptist Church. I believe that um, God's just doing some amazing things, and. I just had, had the privilege of being able to be part of this weekend. You have a wonderful group of students. And we did, uh, this weekend we talked about, uh, about what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a follower. And, and um, you know, in this day and uh, time, you can be a follower of a lot of things. And we talked about that. And, you know, what being a follower really means. And, you know, in Webster's Dictionary, we talked about uh, what you know, what it means, a person who moves or travels behind someone, one that follows the opinions and teachings of another, and one that imitates another. We went one step further to talk about what it means to follow. It's to walk or to proceed along a path, but also it's to accept as authority. And this whole weekend, we were talking about just unpacking um, those that we read about in Scripture uh, who answer the call to follow Jesus. And we just kind of assume that it's kind of a blanket statement that they just kind of picked up and, and, and followed Jesus uh, because, they, you know, that's, that's what Scripture says. But they, they had a real-life story just like you and I have a real-life story. They had circumstances that, that were against them just like we have circumstances against us. And maybe they, you know, had, uh, you know, their, formed their own opinion, but, but there was a call that they had to make a, they had to make a choice to, to follow to follow. You know, as I was, you know, part of um, just kind of catch you up where we are this morning, Friday night we talked about, um, you know, we talked about the story of Matthew, talked about the story of Matthew and, and he, he being a tax collector. And for those of you who, who are un, unfamiliar with a tax collector, Jesus, uh, in, in Scripture they always categorize the tax collector and notorious sinner separately. If you're, if you're a really bad sinner, you know, Scripture talks about you, and then there's a tax collector, and you're, you're like, really, 
really bad. If you get separate, you know, badness in Scripture, it's, it's really bad. And so Matthew was one of those really bad dudes that nobody wanted to be around. And so we, we kind of unpacked his story a bit uh, because you had people who, um, who thought they had it all together, who were the Pharisees. And so they were wondering why Jesus would want to bring a, a really bad guy that nobody liked to be part of his, his group, to join him. And, um, you know, as I was beginning to think about that, it brought, brought back memories to that, to, to growing up. And we kind of used the analogy, we, we had an icebreaker called, called Simon Says, which led into what we call Jesus Says. And Jesus Says, you know, it's like, do, 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 don't, 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 do, 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 don't, and you get so caught up in, in the, the ritual of trying to please Jesus that we forget the, the, the relationship aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, it just really, it brought me back to a, you know, a, a story growing up. You know, it, growing, up in, growing up in church, I was, you know, I was there every time the doors were open. My, you know, my, my dad was, was a deacon. My grandfather was a Southern Baptist uh, minister. So I told the kids I had a drug problem. I was drug every time, uh, drugged to church every time the doors were open. And so I knew what it was like to be, to be here all the time, all the time. And I, I lost the relationship aspect. Growing up in, 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 in kids' ministry and then even youth ministry, I was, I, was a, I was kind of a mischievous kid. And we had a group of guys. We were, you know, we were kind of running in the same groups, and we would, we'd get in trouble. I know none of, none of you had, were, were in trouble in church or had kids that were in trouble in church, but I, I kind of got in trouble in church. And um, one story sticks out, and I told this one Friday night, and... Um, but it was about, about communion. And this, this is really kind of off topic, but, but it was one of those things that just thinking about the, the, the mindset, you know, to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we honor in reverence to, uh, to communion. But as a nine-year-old, it was, it was a snack. It was a snack. And especially at 11 o'clock, and this was, this was, I'm dating myself, but yeah, I think probably we have come to the place where everybody has the plastic cups and the wafer and you pop it open and, and those type of things. We had the real silver cups. We had the glass glasses. We did it right. Any of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so there's always that one drop, the one drop that nobody could get to. Anybody, nobody knows what I'm talking about. There's this one drop after you take, and, and as a nine-year-old, you always want to get every ounce of juice because it's snack time, right? And so we're, you know, I'm, I'm sitting uh, with, with some buddies and we're kind of towards the back of the church. It's a small, you know, small church and we're, we're back there. And, and anybody know what, a, what a, mama, a mama look is? Anybody ever seen a mama look? That you would rather get, get beat down three or four times than to get the mama stick, because it will turn you to stone, right? Turn you to stone. Well, we were back there, and I was determined I was going to get the last, the last bit, the last bit. So we're back there, and so I partake of communion, and there's that one drop. Today is going to be the day that I partake of the last drop. And so what I do is I stick my tongue all the way down to the bottom of that cup, the glass cup, and those of you who know what I'm talking about, there's a suction on that glass cup that, that creates, you know, it's, it's like the Christmas, uh, you know, the, the Christmas story. 
when the little boy's up there on the pole and, and he sticks his tongue to the, to the pole and it's, and it's freezing and he can't get, you know, away from the pole? Well, this glass cup was stuck to my tongue, all right? And so my boys and my, my friends, instead of helping me out, they just start laughing. Now, I know none of you ever get tickled in church, right? But whenever you get tickled in church, it's like the worst because you're wanting just to, to spew and, and to laugh real, and you're trying to hold it back. Well, this is what's going on, you know, our pastor's leading us through communion. Here I am. I'm panicking because I'm more concerned that my mother's going to turn around because my boys are, are cackling at me and I can't get this cup off my tongue. So I'm pulling, you know, with everything I can. They start laughing even more. And about that time, pastor says, let's all hold hands. Oh, boy. Imagine this. I've got my tongue hanging out with a glass you know, communion cup on my tongue. Boys are laughing, and I hear, you know, the slow motion. No, she's about to turn around. No. And about that time, all I could think about doing is I've got to cover that cup up. So I, I put the, the cup in my mouth like this, okay? Now, that lasted for about three seconds until the laughter exploded. Well, that laughter, my, my laughter exploded, out comes the cup, six rows up, knocks, you know, a lady in the back of the head. And, I mean, I am, I am whooped for weeks. I mean, it is, it is horrible. But, 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 but thinking about that, have you ever had one of those moments where you just, you know, you wonder why you, you do what you do? You know, it was, it was, a, it was a, boneheaded, a boneheaded choice that I made. But I wanted, I wanted to get the last drop. The last drop. The story that we're going to talk about today is, is in Luke uh, chapter, chapter 15 about uh, the prodigal son. This is a story that everybody has heard, but it, we're going to take a different flair to it. But, you know, this, this son, he, he had desires. He had his own desires, and he had his focus on leaving home, and he chased after the things he thought were important. I thought the drop of juice, that one drop of juice, was important at the time but I didn't count the consequence of what happened. And so, like any good story, it starts with, you know, with, with, with a setting. There's a setting there. And so remember, as, as we're looking at this setting, you have, you have different people that are, that, are, that are here. You have the tax collectors and sinners. You have the Pharisees who thought they had it all together. And then you had you had Jesus. So if, if you're a note taker, and I was looking at the bulletin this morning in the first service, like, wow, I had a lot of blanks here. So if you're, if you're a, a blank filler router, um, I think there's probably some extra ones that I, that I didn't know that I had. So I don't, anyway, we're going to get through it the best we can, okay? Everybody good? So, so the setting, the setting. In uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, the, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So the audience in your blanks were the tax collectors and the Tory sinners, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and then we have the master teacher. Now, by, by stating the Pharisees, let's, let's talk, talk about them for just a minute. Here they're thinking about... Why is, why is Jesus associating with tax collectors and notorious sinners, the, the worst of the worst, and he, they won't, and he won't hang out with us, even to the point of eating with them? 
I mean, that's, that's even worse. And so we begin to start unpacking the story. The story begins in Luke uh, chapter 15, beginning in uh, verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the, to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Now, we talked about this in the first service. I believe that had to be broccoli casserole or something like that. It was, it was dis- disgusting. But uh, no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, there's always a meanwhile. So we're, we're looking at here at the story, we're talking about the, the, the sinners, the notorious sinners and the tax collectors. And Jesus is talking and sharing this part of the story. But then he shifts gears. So listen closely to this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never, never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but he's now found. Now, that's the story. That's the story. Now let's, let's see what significance this story has with the audience. We, sometimes we read the story and it's just, it's a story about a lost son being found, but there's so much more to this story than, than meets the eye. So we're going to unpack, we're going to pack each section really quickly, but the first part beginning in, in, uh, uh, in verse 11 through 13, it's about leaving home about leaving home, you know, and, and that's about being separated from the father. And we, 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 we coined this phrase, the lost son. And the only way that I can describe this to you, and most people would think the father was so mad and angry that he had nothing, wanted nothing to do 
uh, with his son. But, but it reminds me of, of a story in, uh, that happened several years ago. Uh, my, my son, Matthew, who is now 10, uh, we, were, we were in Disney World going to Epcot. Well, my wife, Brooke, and our youngest daughter, Mary, were sick with, with the flu. And like, good, like a good husband and father and, and, and son, we, uh, we went to Epcot while they were sick. And that's, um, but we, we went over there and we went to Turtle Talk and we were doing all this stuff with the, uh, uh, together as, as father and son. And the, we, we finished up with, with this Turtle Talk and the kids just bursted out like ants. And so all the adults are kind of sitting back in the room and, and I'm, I'm looking around for, for Matthew and I can't find him. I'm, Matthew, where, where'd he go? And then you go through this, this walking path that, that it's, it's dark and you can't see anything. And, and so I'm getting more and more concerned. And we're separated. And what, what seemed to be like hours was probably really maybe, maybe just a few minutes, five, ten, uh, five minutes at the most. And I'm, I'm, I'm in panic mode. I'm in panic mode. I've got to find my son. I've got to find my son. Where, where, where's Matthew? You know, and there's hundreds of other kids that are running around, but I can't find my son. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a panic uh, trying to find him. And then, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm to the point of where I'm, I'm about to, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm, I'm about to do something, whether it's, you know, cry, shout, scream, do, do whatever. And I'm, I'm talking to the, to the security guards trying to find out. And at that moment, I see the security guard off into the distance and he's carrying this little boy. And he's got Mickey ears. He's, and I see Matthew, he's been crying. And so he calmed him down with the Mickey ears. And, and so it was at that point where, you know, I didn't walk. I ran to the security guard and I, and I got my son. And, and that's the only way that I can describe to you this, this lost and found uh, type relationship that we're going to be talking about. Leaving home is, is difficult, but whenever you're separated, there's that father and son relationship that, that only, only you as a parent and fathers and parents know when, when they're separated. Keep that, keep that thought in mind as we travel through this journey. The second, uh, the second side of the story, as the son is separated and he's going to do what he wants to do, remember, got to go back and get that last drop of juice, all right? That last drop of juice. What is that last drop of juice for you? What was that last drop of juice for, for the son? It's, it's about lacking restraint in your relationship. Living wild is, is the way we, we coin that. But it's about doing your own thing rather than, and not worrying about the consequences of your, of your actions. And this is what was going on here. He was living it up as long as, he was, as long as he had his inheritance that his father had given him. But when the money was gone, when the money was gone, so were, so were his friends, so was everything else. And in verse 14, it says <clears throat> that he hit rock bottom and he lost everything. Losing everything, there was a famine that hit the land. And so he went hungry. And, you know, in, in, this, in this moment, everybody probably in this room has, has, has had one of those aha moments to where you, where you realize that it, maybe, maybe the situation wasn't as fun as you thought it was going to be, or maybe... The, the person that you were hanging out with wasn't as good as you thought they were going to be. Maybe um, you, you kind of fill in the blanks. Maybe a, a business decision. Maybe it was a, a relationship decision that, that you, you just thought you had to get into. You thought that it was what was best for you without counting the cost. We've all been in that situation before. 
and then when you lose it all and you hit that rock bottom moment, it's lonely. It's lonely. And then there's that moment in verse 15 and 16 where you're battling that, that, that pride moment, that flesh and spirit, and we call that longing in the pig pen. It's like visioning, man, I wish I hadn't done that. You ever been there before where you just wish you could go back and maybe rewind time a bit and you could, you could change things just, just a little? And then as, as that moment comes, comes in, it says that he, instead of him doing what he knows he could do, and that's return back to the Father, first he, he finds him a job feeding pigs. Feeding pigs. As a, Jewish, as a Jewish young man, that's the worst of the worst to do. The worst of the worst to do. And so, but I'm, I'm going to do it. The last thing I want to do is to go back and, and say that, I'm, that, that my father was right. But then there was that aha moment. There was that awakening. When he came to himself, looking at himself, he realized that the father wanted what was best for him and that he could return home. And so with that example, he began to lower himself as a servant. Lowering as a servant, he, he became honest with himself and said, so, you know what, I've, I've wrecked this, this relationship. I've made some mistakes. I can go back home to my father and I can just be a servant. And being a servant, would be, I would be treated a whole lot more, a, lot, a whole lot better than what I'm, what, the way I've been treating now. So, so he goes back home. He begins to walk. He begins to talk to himself. How am I going to rehearse this, this, you know, this story, this apology? And we all know the story. We all know the story of, of being honest, you know, and, 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 and the father, you know, I, I think let's kind of shift gears. And over here with this table, I've, I've got, a, got a table sitting here. And I believe each and every day as, as, as the son was away, I, I think the father kind of had a moment here where, where he was sitting at the table and he longed, he longed to look for his son. Is today going to be the day? It's today the day. Hey, guys, go out there and feed that calf. We're going we're to have a party. We're going to have a celebration at some point. We're going to be ready. We're going to anticipate a party. And, and as he was sitting at the table, I gotta, I've got to believe that the door was open. Where if, if for some reason he came down the path, that he would be able to catch him and see him. And, and it was that day that happened. Leaving the door open... Leaving the door open, he saw his son and he ran to him and he embraced him. And, and we, we know that story. This story is familiar to us, but it was the meanwhile story that sometimes we, 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 we skip over. We skip over. And remember, we have, uh, we have two audiences here. We have the notorious sinners and the tax collectors. And let me just fill you in. We're all notorious sinners and tax collectors. You are. I am. We're all sick. We have a sin problem. And we have a need for a Savior. But there was a group in this story that didn't realize that, that thought they had it all together. That was the Pharisees. And, and Jesus begins to shift gears about the oldest son. And the stories come out, and I call this the loathing and legalistic son because it was all about placing blame. It's all about letting letting the older brother syndrome take over his heart with jealousy and with pride and with envy. Dad, you never did this for me. 
you never did this for me. Well, truth be known, the older son got two-thirds of the inheritance because he was the oldest son. So all these excuses that, that he was making, it really turned out to this question right here. Are you really going to love somebody that did this? Are you really going to have compassion over what he did? Now, as Jesus is telling this story, do we know of people that maybe, maybe in our life that we've said that? Maybe we have delegate, maybe we have said, oh, my sin wasn't all that bad. What I did wasn't so bad, but, and we've justified, you're not going to believe what they did. You're not going to believe what they did, and, and it kind of diminishes the fact of what, of, of what you did to be able to, to place the blame on others. And if we're not careful, we as Christians can take the older brother syndrome. After we've been in relation, after we've been a Christian for a while, and we, we, we start doing this Jesus says thing, and it becomes an obligation rather than a relationship then we lose sight of what matters most. And it's what Jesus said this whole weekend uh, that we talked about with our students. He says, come on, follow me. Join us and you'll get things right. Join us and you'll get things right. But the Pharisee says, you got to change first before, before you can join us. You gotta, you gotta dress the parts. You gotta look the parts. You gotta act the parts. You gotta, you gotta talk right, eat right, do all this right before you can get into our, into our group. And I know Palmetto Baptist Church is not like this, but there are churches and there's, there's groups, there's cliques all over this world that's, that's, that's saying that in their, in their peer groups. So my question is, who are we following? And this is, this is the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger, and, and if you're if you're note taker, uh, you've got the loathing and the legalistic son, and you have, of course, the loving father. And we have the cliffhanger, and the cliffhanger is that that moment in the story that it's like I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming, and so here here comes here comes the cliffhanger. The plot of the story, and we've 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 heard it taught. All, you know, all th through our, our life that it's about the lost son, and it is. And it's also about the oldest son. And you have two sinners that are in need of a loving father. But the main plot of the story is about the power of the loving father, the forgiveness of the loving father who accepts not only the sin of the lost son, but also the jealousy and the pride and the, uh, the, the poor choices of the oldest son. And so wherever we fit into that picture today, we're both in need of a loving father. Whether you're on the side of the, the notorious sinners and the tax collectors, and let me give you a hint, we all are in that story. We're all a part of that. But if we also think, well, I don't, I'm, I really don't do anything wrong. And, and they, don't, they don't deserve to be in my presence because this is what they did. And that's what the Pharisees, that's what they, what they brought to the, uh, to, to the table. And so we've identified the main characters. The prodigal son in this story is the notorious sinners and tax collectors. The oldest son 
resembles the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And we know the Father. He's the good Father. But here's what I want you to really listen to. If you don't hear anything else that I've said this morning. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for for Palmetto Baptist Church and for those of us who are followers of Christ? Not followers of man, not followers of tradition, not followers of ritual, not followers of, of what we've done in the past, but followers of Christ. Those of us who are sick and in need of a Savior, those of us who who don't have it all figured out, those of us who are going through life's journey that says, I am sick and I need a Savior. For those of us, what does this mean? My question to you is, who are you following? Who? Who are you following? Is it a a man in a relationship? Is it a woman in a relationship? Is Is it a career? Is it a hobby? Is it an addiction? Is it something that you're putting before your father? Who or what are you following? And if we're following the good father, then we realize we're all sick and we all have a problem. And it's an urgency that we have to have, Jesus. It's not a, an option. It's, it's mandatory. There is no plan B. We have to have him. And whenever you're in relationship with Jesus and you understand the things and the circumstances you're going through, you can't do this life on your own. And when you come to that, when you realize that, the next question is, who are you fathering? Who are you fathering? And as we look at this story, who are you fathering? Who are you looking for? As a couple, as an individual, as a church, Do you see the importance of being at the table and saying, who, who belongs here? Yeah, there's room for one more. There's room for a few more. There's room for a lot more. Go feed the calf. We're going to plan a party. We're going to celebrate those that are, maybe that are, that are lost, that are, that are misplaced, that don't have it all together. We're, we're going to, we're going to prepare a place for them right here. And then, we're going to have our door open. We're going to be watching for them. We're going to be actively anticipating for them. So this morning, as we, as we close, is our door open? Is our table? Is our table set for one more? Is our vision placed on the Father and say, I need, I need you. Maybe, maybe this morning you're the, you're the lost son and you need to find your way back home. Maybe you find yourself as the older son that says, you know what, I've had a problem judging people and I need to let that go so that I can set the table, so that I can keep the door open because so that more people can come to the Father's house. Isn't that really what it's all about? It's to, it's to grow our family. To grow our family and to be about the Father's business. This morning, Palmetto Baptist Church, 
where are we this morning? PBC students, where are we this morning? Do we have room for more students? They don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't act like us. Are we going to say, change first and then come join us? Or say, come on, join us and, and let Jesus do the changing. This morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. As the pastors come up front, I don't know your heart this morning, but God does. And this, this place is a safe place. The altar is a safe place this morning for you to either come back home to the Father to say, I, I give up my pride so that family can grow and prosper through the Father's house. Dear Jesus, may you bless this time of invitation and may you speak. And God, may we step aside so that your table can be full, so that your doors can be open, and so that all can be welcome into your family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.